This is All Booked Up, Spoilers Ahead, and I'm your host, Kiera. Uh, so if you caught my episode last week, my husband was there, and he's back again. Hi, guys. He's decided that he likes to be on the show with me, and so this will probably be a weekly thing if I can keep talking him into joining me. She does a pretty good job being fairly convincing, so. Now, he just likes to talk a lot, so. What can I say? Yeah. So I finally was able to get back into reading after the holidays. I felt like I didn't read much in December. But after Christmas was over, I was finally able to jump back in. And my first read of the new year was The Midnight Library by Matt Haig, maybe? Haig? Haig. Haig. Sorry, might be butchering that. But, um... I thought this was a cool book. I thought the concept was cool. Um, I'll read the synopsis and then uh, we'll jump right in and I'll talk about it and he'll just talk about what he read on Spark Notes. <laughs> Here goes. Between life and death, there is a library. Up until now, Nora Seed's life has been full of misery and regret. She feels she has let everyone down, including herself, but things are about to change. When she finds herself in the Midnight Library, she has a chance to make things right. The books in the Midnight Library enable Nora to live as if she had done things differently. Each one contains a different life, a possible world in which she made different choices that played out in an infinite number of ways, affecting everyone she knew as well as many people she never met. With the help of an old friend, she can now undo every decision she regrets as she tries to work out her perfect life. But things aren't always what she imagined they'd be, and soon her choices place the library and herself in extreme danger. Before time runs out, she must answer the ultimate question. What is the best way to live? So, if you didn't catch the synopsis, it takes place in a library. I think they said library like 50 times in that synopsis. I hate that. I, I hate when you read a paragraph and you feel like the same word is overused, uh... Well, Miss Ambrose uh, and I think Miss Lacey both were very, you know, if you were writing a, an essay or a, a reports for school, both of them were like, dude, you got to bust out a thesaurus. You can't use the same word like 10 times in the same paper. Yeah, I definitely remember Miss Ambrose saying that. I, re- I know Miss Ambrose did. I feel like Miss Lacey did. I didn't trying have Miss Lacey. Ready for her cl- I loved Miss Lacey. She yeah. was so great. I liked Miss Ambrose, but I do remember her. Like, I mean, even Ms. in Ambrose the papers, was a good teacher. <laughs> she would circle the words and be like, you use this too much. And it's like, okay, got it. Gotta come up with a new word. Okay. So with your spark noting, all right, what did you get out of that before I, I dive into what actually happened? I've turned over how this show's going to go. Cause you're basically giving a critical review of the book chock full of spoilers. And I'm giving a critical review of the book from the perspective of somebody who's never read it. Yeah. This is going to be great. All right. So, so should you start or should I start? You want to go? I feel give like you- we should go together. Okay. All right. So, so in the spark notes, as I'm reading the spark notes for this book, um, there were a few things that kind of stuck out to me about the book that uh, kind of were things that I didn't like, a- again, as a person who didn't actually read the book. So it seems like one of the themes in the Midnight Library is that every time Nora dives into a new version of her life, it, there's always a trade-off. It's like there's never a version of her life that's actually just 
better. Wait, 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 wait. I think that we're getting ahead of ourselves. Okay. Why we, we don't we they don't know why she's diving into new lives. Oh, okay. So yeah, we'll take a few. Well steps let's back. backtrack. So start from the beginning. Yeah. Nora's depressed. That's basically right. what it is. Nora is very, very uh, sad. Yes. And in so in a terminal way. She goes to unalive herself. Yeah, she's terminally sad. And in the process, she's like what stuck in between, stuck in limbo. Yeah, it's like a limbo thing. I I assume that uh, Matt Haig is uh, you know probably somebody with some kind of Christian upbringing or at least some religious spiritual upbringing because uh, he has this loose concept of like purgatory or limbo, and that's basically what the library is: is that she's in between the you know her root life reality and uh, the afterlife, and she's getting an opportunity to kind of review the decisions that she made and how that got her the life that she was so upset with yeah when she gets there her librarian from elementary school mrs elm is there and she's handed a book of regrets the book of regrets and in the book of regrets it pretty much any opportunity she had where she could have broken right instead of left you know, she sees what happens if she would have gone on that trip to Australia. That's where you're wrong. This is, you spark noted it. So the book of regrets, she only tries to fix something in the book of regrets one time. Oh. And then after that, she's handed different books that are not the book of regrets. Interesting. And so it's like the book on, if she becomes a, what was that? Glaciologist. A glaciologist. Or a childhood she, dream. What to if, study glaciers. You know, <laughs> I actually, the other day, I was asking our daughter what she wanted to be when she grew up. And she told me that she wanted to study glaciers. And I was like, that's crazy. Yeah. Because literally no child's ever said that. Probably not. <laughs> but yeah, so it was like the glaciologist, which actually that life was pretty cool because she also met someone else who was like in limbo. Also in his version of limbo. But his was a record store. Yeah. So uh, what Nora's version of, well, Nora's in the middle in limbo, whatever you want to call it is at a library because that's where something important in her life happened. When she was in, was it elementary school? Her her librarian, Mrs. Elm, was the one who told her that her dad died while she was like in that library. So that's kind of what it suggests in the book is that that's why it's the library and that's why Mrs. Elm is there because it's an important place with an important person. Right, but then the other guy, he's doing basically the same sort of purgatory exercise, but with records and yeah. music. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, if they adapted this book for film, I would really hope that it'd be like a, a blockbuster video, like a bunch of VHS tapes where you're seeing different ways your life could have played out. That'd be interesting. You know, it's a book, so they're in a library, but if it was a movie, make it a blockbuster video. <laughs> that was the first thing dumb. i thought about as i'm reading this work notes um but anyway so yeah you were talking about the lives right and- okay so uh so anyway so nora tries on alive herself she gets the book of regrets she sees all the things she regrets um and you know so as she's going through the different books of the different way her life could have played out she sees like oh well if i had gone on that trip to australia then uh then my friend would have died in a car crash on the way to my birthday or if i had become an olympic swimmer then you know my dad would have lived longer but my mom would have died or if me and my brother 
had that's got, crazy you got all this from spark notes i've it? never used spark notes it's, before it took you four days to read this book it took me about 40 <laughs> minutes that's so funny wow right but anyway so uh so then like uh one of the others is if she had become a rock star like if her and her brother's rock band had stuck together when they were kids then you know she would have been this super successful musician except her brother would have died like a couple years prior and like she would have been embroiled in all this controversy and you know it it, the thing that got me that a lot of these types of stories always have is that it's like there's never like a version of your life that's just better like that you were just less of a booty hole the whole your whole life or like you just had like a better state of mind like like certainly there was a version of her life where she got more meaningful time with both of her parents because I, I i just you know, especially books of this nature, the happy ending is always like you realize that you should just be happy with the life that you have because it's the life that you got. But it's like certainly there is a version of your life where like where you're living is the bad example. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It just always gets me about these stories. So Nora was trying to find... A life that was going to make her happy because that's what mrs elm told her she was like if you find a place and you're happy there you get to stay there forever but if you if i sense like if any unhappiness is sensed then she's pulled right back into the library the problem with her going to different lives is she's jumping right into them in the middle of them so she has no idea what's going on people know her but she doesn't know them i feel like that I, I don't know how I would deal with that. It's like it being in a room of people you don't know. Right. Yeah, I didn't. That was. Well. And then, like, what happens when she's pulled out of it? Then the other Nora just doesn't know what's happening. I mean, probably I would think, like, it's a parallel reality. So that whole, that the story where her mind jumps into it probably just continues on without her. Parallel reality. I was thinking about the Spider-Man movie the entire time yeah, yeah. I was reading this book. Yeah, this I is... I was like, why does this sound so familiar? People jumping in different worlds and blah, 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 but blah. But instead of Enter the Spider-Verse, <laughs> it's Enter the Satterverse. Yeah, and I was like, ah, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, which, you know, honestly, I think a lot of writers have kind of leaned on that trope. I think Marvel opened Pandora's box for the alternate realities business. But one, uh, actually, okay, so in the Spark Notes, there was one version of her life that was just overall generally better, except she was sad because of no reason. Because everybody, no matter how easy you have it or how hard you have what it. What life was that? Was that the last life she did? Yeah. That was, okay, I thought she was going to stay there. In that life, she had a husband and she had a daughter. She felt really bad about not really knowing. Who, yeah, Anybody. our kid is singing in the background, so just ignore her. <laughs> but yeah, she felt really bad about not knowing anyone. But she like genuinely started to fall in love with like the, the husband right. and the kid. So like when she got pulled back into the library... I was actually upset because I was like, oh, this is her happy ending. This is the end. This is how the book is going to end. And then it didn't. And I was like, what the F? But you kind of nailed it already, though, right? Because Miss Elm tells her, you know, if there's any sadness sense, then we're just going to pull you out of there. Except for the reality is no matter how good or how bad you have it, 
that is, those feelings of sadness are a natural part of reality. So, like, even if everything's perfect and her whole life is infinitely better in every single conceivable way, it's not like that just control deletes sadness from your life. Like, sometimes people just get sad. Like, that's just what it is to be human. It's not all sunshine and rainbows every day all the time. Sometimes, you know, you sometimes a raccoon crawls in your trash can and it ruins your day. And that's just what happened. You know what I'm saying? Oh my god! <laughs> Purely hypothetical. Not hypothetical. <laughs> Our life right now. Um. So in the book, she's Nora's described as having life fright, which is the feeling of being paralyzed by the many choices that must be made in life. But don't you think that like everybody kind of has that sometimes? I mean, there are a lot of choices to be made in I life. I mean, I don't know why there's a special word for anxiety. I, <laughs> that's, what the, that's what the author came up with in the book. Yeah, that's just called anxiety. I mean, I guess. Okay. Doing the research on this book, I did find out that the author himself has some, like, depression and anxiety. I was asking you the other day, like, do you think that authors write what they know? Or do you think that they're pulling it out of the sky? I mean, I think it just depends on the author and it depends on the subject matter. Like, I don't think that Stephen King particularly, like, has seen Bigfoot. But, I mean, he certainly, you know, he says that he's a scared guy. And, like, he's scared of the, you know, the shadows in the corner. And that's why he writes a good, scary story. What about the authors that write fantasy books? They're not out here seeing dragons. Yeah, that's what and... I'm saying. Like Tolkien was an alcoholic. He wasn't a, you know, he didn't. He wasn't out there playing with hobbits and elves. Maybe he was stuff. hallucinating all this stuff. Actually, uh, C.S. Lewis did believe in fairies, and he thought that he saw them. Are there fairies in those books? Not in those books, but as far as fantasy authors and writing what they know, he, the, there is a chance he might have thought that he knew some of it. Do you think that there was a chance that he had a wardrobe and it went to I think Narnia? That, I think that there's a chance that in his later years, C.S. Lewis was coming unglued. Hmm. Just saying. Interesting. <laughs> but uh, writing what you know, I think most most very effective authors or directors, uh, I think that they're probably probably writing about things that are personal to them that's actually kind of creepy when you think about reading a mystery book and it's like oh did this happen or you, did I you mean, do this think about it because they I, I mean uh what's his name john grisham he writes all these legal stories that you always have like mobsters and stuff like that it makes you wonder like how much political corruption is the dude witnessed no 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 you got it <laughs> um it's okay here you go there you go but yeah i mean he's he's probably a sad guy to write a story like this i guess i've not this is my first book by him so i'd be interested to see other books written by him one of my favorite quotes out of the book was never underestimate the big importance of small things do you think that's true small things are definitely as important as big things they kind of lead to the big things well, uh, big things are just a, uh, they're a series of very small things happening in a way that make them seem big. I mean, everybody experiences life one second, one minute at a time. Like, so like a happy marriage isn't like, you know, it's like, wow, the last 50 years of with you have been fantastic. While that's true, you're experiencing those last 50 years, you know, one instance at a time. Like, 
and and then even still it's the ones that leave an impression on you you don't look back for 50 years and think like man we really you know we spent a lot of time driving in the car together no you think about like man like we got in the car and then like you know this thing happened you know we had to stop to use the bathroom a dozen times but we finally made it to dc yeah like you know what i mean these are real life things right well i mean like but that's how three kids this happens yeah you you don't get you don't get to 40 or 50 years of marriage and think like dang we spent the equivalent of of seven weeks in the car together it's like no you like after 50 years you're like wow you know look at all these great adventures we've been on all these cool places we've been so you didn't really read this you didn't read the book so i don't know if you kind of got this from your spark note reads but after i read a book i like to go through like the reviews and see what other people think of the book Mm -hmm. and a lot of the reviews said that the book kind of felt like a self-help book okay and i mean reading it i can definitely see where they could get that from there were a lot of like there was a lot of like philosophy talk that really bored me too if you're not into philosophy that's gonna be a little boring like schrodinger's cat was one of the things thrown in there that's the only thing that stood out to me but like other than that the part when she becomes a glaciologist was really boring and there's a lot of philosophy in that and then like other things so i feel like that part kind of felt self-helpy maybe i mean i you know, I don't know how you're gonna. I, I don't know how you could write a book about this without getting somewhat preachy or self-helpy. I mean, even like uh, the the Netflix series Thirteen Reasons Why. I never read those books, and I could not get through the series. Well, I, the beginning and end of every episode is like if you or somebody you love, like you know, suicide hotline, and you know, oh, and you know, the, 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 there's places to reach out to, and like you know, you should always talk to your family or your friends, or like you know, it ha- if you don't have somebody to talk to, you should seek help, and like you know, I I think it, if you're if you're kind of treading into this subject matter that's like almost obligatory in the post trigger warning age like you kind of you almost have to do a little bit of that because otherwise people are like well this dude just you know he wrote 300 pages about this terrible awful subject and then the story ends and he just kind of abandons his reader Hmm. like i don't know it's just kind of weird and I mean, especially in in this day and age, like everybody knows somebody who's been affected by this. Yeah. Another thing that I read was that the ending was pretty predictable. Personally, I didn't think that it was predictable. So here's how. Uh, it, this is where you and I align on our critical review. You it, go first. Here's how it ends. She's in that happy life with a husband and a child. But she's still sad, so she gets pulled back into the library. And basically, the library is falling apart, and she has to find the last book to get back to her real life. life. Yeah, her yeah. root life. And basically, she finds an empty book, and I, I can't remember exactly what she wrote. She writes, I am alive. Oh, my gosh. I read this book, page. like, weeks ago, you guys, and he just freaking... I just read the Spark Notes. Yeah, he just read the Spark Notes today. So, yeah, she wrote in a blank piece of paper, I am alive, and then it took her back to her root life. Color. In just a minute, little baby. Okay, we can color in a second. 
But yeah, so she writes, I am alive. And then it takes her back to her root life. And basically, she's still there, passed out from trying to unalive herself with some pills. She gets up, walks to her neighbor's house, tells him to call 911, goes to the hospital. Her brother shows up and... He says, you know, don't ever leave me again. And then they take her back home, and that's pretty much how the book ends. But my problem with the ending is that I, I thought she was going to die. And I-, I thought that she was going to die, and I was almost kind of upset that she didn't. And that was kind of my thoughts when you, before I read the Spark Notes, but when you were just kind of telling me about the book, is that they're it's a the story is a you know it's a very tough subject matter the ultimate thesis of the story is that the your the life that you have is the one that you're lucky to have because you're lucky to have a life at all but then like the end of the story is but you know she's looking for granted and everything turned out fine and it's like you know the the moral of the story is that you should never take it for granted because it's the only life you get and like i'm glad that the character in the story gets the opportunity to basically try again, but the reality is that for, you know, in in the real world, you have to be thankful for the life you have. And I mean, yeah, because sometimes you don't get to try again. Well, most people don't get to try again, and the reality is, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's not it definitely some days are harder than others to be thankful for the life you have, but at the end of the day you should be thankful for it because it's the one that you got and if you lose it you don't get a different one and so yeah yeah, the i think the book definitely would have been it would have had more meaning if nora did die at the end i feel like i don't know there's probably a post editorial version or a pre-editorial version like the director's cut of this story I feel like that's one that got left on the cutting room floor. Like, he gave it to his editor, and they're like, dude, no, she has to live in the end. Figure it out. Like, I feel like that's probably what happened. I've never read anything else by this guy. I feel like, you know, that his editor was like, dude, this is a really great story, but, uh, yeah, you can't have a story that ends. And, like, yeah. But she killed herself. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I wish it would have ended differently. So, what do you give it in a review? Like, I mean, on a on a on a one to ten or one to five? How do you? Usually I do rate a these one things? to five. I do a one to five, and I really need to come up with like a how, like a how I rate things. Like, I think five is like I couldn't I couldn't put it down. Like, I read it in one night kind of deal. Like, you remember that book Verity you got me? Yeah. Yeah, that was like a five for me. A four is like. It was good, and some parts were, like, okay. Like, it was good, but it wasn't great. A three is, like, I put it down, but I didn't forget about it. But, like, I could go on without finishing the story. A two, if it's a two, I'm probably going days without reading it. (laughs) And then a one... Is like I'm probably, I couldn't even finish it. Yeah, but I don't. I had to make myself finish it like homework. Yeah, and but like I don't not finish books a lot. Right, like, I it's got to be bad. I think I had like a one book to be a one. Yeah, I had one book last year that 
was like a one that I think I got like two chapters in and then it was too many characters to follow. It was that book club book, the guest list, I think it was called. So wait, well, but what about this book? This book, um, if I remember correctly, I gave it a three and a half. That's pretty good. Yeah, I did it. Like, I mean, you never give five, so like three and a half I is don't. almost really realistically as good as I'm. Like, yeah, I'm normally only giving out like fours. I gave out two fives last year, and that was it. But um, yeah, I gave it a three and a half. I think that I gave it that just because of the philosophy parts of the book, and then I didn't like the ending. If if they made this book into a movie. On 100%, I'm going to watch it. 0%, totally not interested. You see, I don't know because it depends. Because do you think that they would follow it exactly like this? So let's just, we're going to... Go back to my idea, the blockbuster video story. What? (laughs) (laughs) No. We're going to talk about a different story really quick. The Summer I Turned Pretty is Uh a TV show right now. Yeah. It's kind of following the book's exactly but it's been said that jenny han who is the author of the books is thinking about ending the show differently than she ended the books right so like everyone's team conrad or everyone's team jeremiah but like you don't really know how it's going to end it ended one way in the books but apparently it might not end the same way in the show interesting so it's like i don't know if i would watch this movie if it's gonna just end exactly how it ended in the book kind of right if they like did it where she maybe died like the library is just collapsing and burning down it's just like a close-up of her eyes and a single tear falls and then like the screen goes black and it's just that's a little much and you're just like well i guess it wouldn't be a library it'd be a blockbuster video like the tapes are melting i think that it would still be a library she's like breaking up into the weird vga like color blocks uh, all right yeah she just the screen turns to static and then like that's you're like oh my god yep okay um so it, i guess it just depends i'd be in the middle i also don't really like movies after i've read the books they're not as good right they've never been as good besides nicholas sparks ones i don't really i can't really get into except for the summer i turned pretty i do like the series better than the books um yeah, that's pretty much accurate. I can't think of a TV series that's better than the book or a movie that turned out better than the book. They're always missing something. Yeah. And it's like, then I'm the person that's sitting there like, well, that didn't happen in the book. Or they do like the, the Hobbit movie thing where it's like you change that for literally no reason. Or like even Harry Potter. Like when you get into the fourth and fifth one, it's like, why did you even bother to change that? There was no reason to change that. And then my, my problem with, like, like watching movies that are book series, this is my... So, I read the after series last year, and then I watched the movies, and they had so many actors change in the movies. Like, there were, like, yeah. So, it's like, that's not the same guy that played that guy in the last movie. Actually, I hate when they do that, except for when the Fosters did that. They made it so funny oh when they swapped the the, hey, oh, the jt austin for noah sent me and they were just like you got a lot taller since the last it was since you were home i was like that is awesome i love that they did that but also mm. noah sent was like way better he was way better yeah I jesus li- was way better than original jesus yeah i like him as an actor sorry that was a little aside yeah that's that's that happens a lot um but 
Yeah, so a three and a half, and I don't know if I'd see the book. What, what would you rate it with your Spark Note? With reading? my, I mean, Spark Notes wise, story wise, it's not like a super original story. Like, I mean, this has kind of been done before. Has it? I mean, like almost every story has is derivative of another story. No, I really, I, I enjoy. I think that the three and a half also comes from like I, I, I liked mean, the concept. I like like. This is literally uh, what was that? What was that? Uh, the Christmas movie, the Mar- not Mar- oh, Pondre. a Christmas Carol. Yeah, well, a Christmas Carol, but then there was the other one where the guy he's gonna jump off the bridge, and they're like, "This is what it would have been like if you weren't here." And he sees like how he positively affected all these people. Isn't that a Christmas Carol? No, a Christmas Carol was the one with Scrooge. Oh. Yeah, that was Ghost. I know what you're talking about, though, but I don't know. It's not Miracle on 34th Street. I've uh, never seen that, so. Yeah, no, it's, uh, uh, what's the one? He was gonna jump off the bridge. Uh, Okay, well, while you figure that out, I'm gonna say, I liked the concept of this book. I, I think it's interesting to think about, like, what happens between life and death. Like, does it happen, like, instantly, or are you really, like, in limbo? It's a Wonderful Life. I've never seen that either. So it's a Wonderful know. Life is the one he's going to jump off the bridge, and then the the Ghost of Christmas is like this is what would what, what yeah the you keep explaining like. it, but like and it sounds familiar, but I know for a fact I've never seen that movie. This is basically It's a Wonderful Life, except for instead of seeing how she positively impacted all of her neighbors and friends by being there, she saw how she negatively affected her own life, except then realized that all the bad things that happened were for a reason. So it was a very self-centered version of It's a Wonderful Life. And also there's no Christmas. Oh my gosh, speaking heaven. of being self-centered, that's another <laughs> thing that I read in the in the reviews that I was reading. A bunch of people were like, Nora's just never satisfied. Yeah, like, literally. She's literally self-centered. She's never happy. She's never satisfied. Nothing's going to make her happy. Well, because and then she the, literally, and like the that's first. That's part of the, the thesis is that suicide is the most selfish thing that you could possibly do. I, I guess, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't quite have... I mean, unless somebody truly hates you and you want to do that kindly for them. But, like, let's be honest. That's That's not a thing. That's not a thing. That's not a thing. You shouldn't say that. (laughs) That's... No. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. They just said that she was really self-centered and nothing was satisfying her. So, she wasn't really satisfied until like probably the end of the book and it's literally like the end of the I book. was literally <laughs> listening to you complain the whole time and it's like you didn't you, you didn't get it after your brother was dead in one life you didn't get it after your parents were dead in one life after your best friend died in one life it's like um it's, it's when she finally finds a life that she's happy with and realizes that she would have been a sad sack regardless and then she's like oh yeah oh well time to go back to reality yeah i'm just gonna go back to my dead cat oh my god yeah the cat died <laughs> That was so sad. You don't even like cats. Don't I don't, you don't like, even pretend like no, you like cats for the I, I don't like cats. But like, I felt bad because I really did think her cat got hit by a car. <laughs> but like, in another life, the person was like, no, there was something like wrong with your cat. It would have died anyway. Right. It had a heart condition. Yeah. yeah. Like, she found the cat dead under the bed in one of the right. one of the lives. And I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. The poor kitty. No, I don't like cats. I really don't. They, I don't know. They just look dirty. (laughs) I don't know. I keep trying to convince him to get a dog and he's like, nah. If they made this book into a movie that was, say, 
100 minutes, 110 minutes long, I'd probably watch it. With Who you. would you cast? It, but if they made it into a series and it was like six episodes long, hard pass. I wouldn't watch no, it. I hate when... Some things just don't need to be made into a series. It's just like, well, well why wouldn't this one need to be... It'd be cool if it was made into a series and like each episode was the life she was living. Oh, that'd be interesting. Like a 30 like minute... Like an anthology. Like a, it'd be like, like a 30 uh, minute episode of her being be like a glaciologist. like actress. That's interesting. But yeah, thirty Shouts minute. out to those of you who got that reference. Yeah, I did it. It's over my head, like everything else you say. But thirty minute episode of her being a glaciologist and then a thirty minute episode of her being in the rock band and then all the other lives and then it's gonna be like a mini series because in the book she it really only glanced it glanced over a lot of them, but like talked about like maybe four or five like in detail. Right. So yeah, I, I think I would watch a mini series. So, no to the movie for me, but yes to a miniseries. There's our clock again. There's our cue. <laughs> uh, oh, so, wait, who would you cast for Nora? No, I asked you, because I don't know. Okay, I picture Nora with, like, dark hair and, like, cut into a bob. So, kind of like Neve Campbell, like, from Scream, is okay. kind of what I got from that. Wait a minute, is that the girl that was played by uh, the Wednesday actress? What? No, okay, never mind. The girl that was played by the Wednesday actress. Yeah, you said Scream. You're not talking about the new one, are you? I'm talking about the original. You're talking about Jenny uh, Ortega? I'm talking about Jenny Ortega. Yeah. I mean, maybe if she, she chopped her hair. Yeah, she cut her hair real short. No, but I'm talking about Neve Campbell. In the original Scream movie uh-huh. with, what's his face? Uh, um, the mm. one that had uh, Matthew Lillard in it. Yes, and the other dude. The other dude. It wasn't Freddie Prince Jr. They were both good looking dudes and I can't remember his name. He was, yeah, in, he was in Riverdale. What was his name? He played Jughead's dad in Riverdale. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. I can't remember his name. That's going to bug me. Anyway. Um, No. Skeet Ulrich. That's, Skeet Ulrich. That's what it is. There yeah. Okay. But Neve Campbell. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. She played Sydney. Yeah. Yeah, so I kind of picture someone, not specifically her, but someone who kind of like looks like her. I mean, I guess Jenny Ortega is like... I mean, okay. She could do it. If it was a Netflix series, it would have to be like Jenny Ortega or literally the girl who played the girl from 13 Reasons Why. Uh, if it was a movie, I'd cast Emma Stone. The girl who played the girl from 13 Reasons Why? The Langford girl? Yeah. Catherine Langford? Yeah. Hmm. But if it was a movie, I'd cast Emma Stone. Why? Because uh, she's good at making a really ugly crying face. And <laughs> I feel like there'd be a lot of that. Well, why would you cast... Okay, I can see why Jenny Ortega... She just Ortega, looks, like, you know, kind of neurotic and sad, and, like, her, like, losing her job and being like, ah! Like, you know what I mean? You can kind of see her making that face. I can see Jenny Ortega... And, like, kind of, like, coming unglued, like, I'll just pack up my desk, and, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, so did you say Jenny Ortega just because she's, like, big on Netflix right now? Yeah, that's how Netflix does. But why did you say Katherine Langford? Because she's not- She's already in 13 Reasons Why, and it's the same story. Well, not the same, but you know, it's another. This time she gets to live. It's another Netflix suicide story. Yeah. And it's a and it's a movie based on a book or a TV series based on a book. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so what you didn't rate your, you didn't read it. I asked you what you would rate it based on. No, no, no. I said if it was a if it was a movie and it was a hundred minutes long, I'd watch it. If it was a series that was six episodes long, I wouldn't watch it. But then you said that you would watch a miniseries if it was a 30-minute... No, no, no. I said who I would cast for the miniseries. I wouldn't watch it. 
wait, what? <laughs> okay, well, it's just me. I'd watch the miniseries. Wait a minute. So who do you think would play the, the librarian? Ooh. Miss Elm. You know the lady that's in. I can't. I'm not good with actors. I'm not good with actors' names. Um, but like the lady that is um and Mrs. Doubtfire, and she plays the mom. Sally Fields. That's her name. Sally Fields and Mrs. Who does she play, Mrs. Doubtfire? The mom. Oh, okay, yeah. Or even like the lady that plays the mom in Home Alone. I can't remember her name. Neither of those women seem particularly warm. Like, they don't seem, like, <laughs> nice to talk to. Were you doing what? Like, they don't seem like you'd sit down and play a game Do of chess Do you know them. them personally? I'm saying the way they portray. I'm talking about their portrayal as an actor, not a, what it would be like to have dinner with them. Oh. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Sally Fields was pretty nice in Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. I mean, not to true. Robin Williams, but, I mean, him. he kind of deserved that in that movie. Did he? Yeah, he wasn't a good dad. <laughs> Not really, no. I guess you're right. Yeah, probably go back and rewatch that movie. <laughs> I should rewatch that movie. I love that movie. But I mean, those are the only two that can come to my head right now. I don't I don't I mean Molly Ringwald like could like uh, today Molly Ringwald not not Breakfast Club Molly Ringwald. Well, duh. <laughs> yeah, the one from Archer. I've never seen that. I mean, I've seen Molly Ringwald and stuff recently. No, I'm not Archer, my bad, Riverdale. Archie Bunker. I was like, what is... Yeah. No, no, no. The Molly Ringwald, when she, like, came back, like, recently, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. I could see her playing the librarian. Or, like, even just, like, call it Miss Berinsky. Just be like, listen. There's a very important <laughs> Netflix series you need to be in that I'm not going to watch, but you, you'd be a good librarian. Because you are a librarian. <laughs> we'll film it in the school yeah, you're library. you're a librarian who had a really positive impact on a lot of people. Yeah. There you go. All right. So he hated it based on his... I mean, I just... I The story's not super original. The author didn't really take any risks with the story. So, you know, I'm going to give it a... you know medium medium well this is a weird rating scale if he's rating his books like he talks about steak yeah (laughs) if if they made it into a movie okay you don't have to say it again there's a 60% chance i'm gonna watch it yeah he's not gonna watch it anyway my rating was a three and a half and yeah again cool concept it was it it was a quick read. I don't know, maybe two days. Took me two days to read it, maybe. Anyway, cool concept. And anything else you need to say? Uh, yeah, if you're looking for me on Twitter, just look up VP is common. Uh, okay, yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, anyway, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this review of the Midnight Library. I'm Kiera, and this is my husband, Vince. Yeah, my name's Vincent. <laughs> this is all booked up spoilers ahead we'll see you next time